First Class Fatherhood. That is where Alec Lace comes in with his popular podcast. And one of the most interesting was on a podcast. Alec Lace interviews high-profile fathers from actors to NFL players with a vision to change the narrative of fatherhood and family life. Welcome, everybody. Episode 694 of First Class Fatherhood. Happy, as always, to be here with you guys. And we are going to get into something today that is very important to every family in America, and that is our food supply. More importantly, where our food is coming from. Is there a threat to that supply? I have got Steve McBee joining me on the podcast today. Steve McBee is the owner and founder of McBee Farm and Cattle Company. He's a first-generation farmer. You may recall his son, Stephen McBee, was the star on the show Joe Millionaire for Richer or Poorer. That was a show in which there was one guy that was a millionaire and one guy that was not. And the girls that were trying to pick a date didn't know which one was the millionaire and which one was not. And Stephen McBee was the millionaire on the Joe Millionaire show. But Steve McBee is the founder of the McBee Farm and Cattle Company. I'm going to be just straight up honest here. I'm not a fisherman. I'm not a hunter. Now, I am learning those skills. I've learned to shoot, uh, thankfully, to a couple of the Navy SEALs that I've befriended over the years here. I'm definitely going to be taking my kids hunting and get involved in that. We've done some fishing. I mean, I'm broadening my horizon a little bit, but I am in no way, shape, or form the guy you want to depend on if it came to going and hunting and gathering your own food. That's just not who I am. I'm a guy that has been spoiled by society. I've never lived more than you know, a block away from a bodega. A lot of times I live right on top of one where I could just walk downstairs and buy anything that I need, any kind of milk or juice or food or eggs or anything that I need has always been right at my fingertips. And I know now we live in a society where we have Uber Eats, Grubhub, you know the whole deal. So we are becoming more and more just dependent on everybody else for our own food supply. And I know that there's many people out there that order food, uh, storage food to store it away for 10, 20 years. I don't know how, how that's all going to work out if shit really does go down in this country. But today's guest knows exactly how important our food supply is to this country. And I think so many times we take it for granted. He's going to break down all of it for us. What's going on with the food supply in this country? Again, I'm a guy that's, uh, I got six mouths to feed in my house. I got four kids, my wife and I. I have seen the difference when I go food shopping. There's no way to hide it. Everything is up. Everything has gotten more expensive. I know it's affecting so many families out there. Why is it? Is it going to get any better? I'm going to talk about all this today with Steve McBee who is a guy who is farming 40,000 acres worth of land. He knows a thing or two about it. Also, Steve has some big news today for his family that's got a brand new reality show coming. I think it's exciting. I think it's timely. I think it's perfect. I think there's a big market for it. I'm excited for him and his family. He's going to tell us all about that and so much more. I'm honored to have him on the podcast today. Steve McBee will be here with me in just a few minutes, so please stick around for the interview. And today's interview with Steve McBee was recorded on video and is available for you guys to watch on my YouTube channel. So you want to watch today's conversation between the farmer and myself, please subscribe to First Class Fatherhood on YouTube. Link is in the description of today's podcast episode. And as I said, Steve's son, Stephen McBee, was Joe Millionaire on the Joe Millionaire reality TV show. Uh, Sort of like one of these, if you guys are into all the reality shows, you know I've had a number of The Bachelors on the podcast here, a number of other reality show superstars on here, Matt Roloff, uh, John Goslin. Adam Busby, 
uh, Dion Dorico. There's a whole ton of them. So if reality is your thing, check out the archives of the podcast here. You'll see so many of the interviews that I did uh, with reality TV stars. Also, too, you'll notice in this interview, we talk about the soil, the threat to the soil in this country, the importance of the soil. If this stuff all interests you, I covered a lot of this in my interview with Sadi Guru, who had a big Save Soil campaign going all throughout the year last year. He's still got it going now. So check that one out in the archives as well. It's time to do the spring cleaning, out with the old, in with the new. No better way to do that than right now over at MyPillow.com. Mike Lindell is having a blowout sale. You can save up to 80% off on so many items over on MyPillow.com. Make sure you use the promo code FATHERHOOD and save up to 80% on your order. All right, if you have an opportunity, please let me spread the word about the podcast. Every father in your neighborhood or in your contact list and let them know about the show to see us celebrating fatherhood and family life. You guys know it. Father's Day is every day right here on the podcast. And here comes my interview right now with Steve McBee on First Class Fatherhood. Joining me now, First Class Father Steve McBee. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Alec, thank you for having me today. I appreciate the invite. Well, it's a pleasure to have you on. Let's start like this. How many kids do you have? How old are they? Okay, so I have four boys. I have uh, Stephen, who's 28, Jesse, 26, Cole is 23, and my youngest, Braden, is 20, will be 21 this summer. So, all boys. Wow, very cool. Yeah, we had uh, three boys, then got our girl on the fourth try. So, uh, if if we didn't get her on four, we'd probably have five by now, but we, we, we finally got her on the end. Well, that's funny because I I'd convinced my wife that uh, there's no way we can have four boys in a, in a row. Well, there's a way and a very possible way. So anyways, yeah, that was a, a point of contingency. I think she uh, she was not happy with. But at the end, she she couldn't be happier. <laughs> very cool. If you could, Steve, please just take a second to hit my uh, listeners with a little bit about your background and what you do. OK, so um, I had started a telecommunications company actually when I was 22 I'll be 51 next week. I'm 50. So um, started a telecommunications company. I had always grown up on a farm and ranch and wanted to get back to back to that. So as soon as I was able, I started buying farm ground uh, right up uh, northwest Missouri, uh, right here in that corner. Um, started growing that first generation farmers, uh, were one of the largest, I, you know, they don't actually do those statistics, but we may be the largest farmer in Missouri. We farm about 40,000 acres. Um, we run a couple thousand head of, uh, cattle. Um, you know, I, I'd heard a saying a long time ago, take your, take your boys to the woods and you, you know, take them hunting. You won't have to hunt for them. So I've kind of, you know, we've always been big outdoorsmen, the boys very, very, you know, um, they, they added their own hunting show. They were very avid outdoorsmen, loved everything about it, the farm, the ranch, uh, you know, hunting, fishing. So they're, they're very ingrained in the, in the outdoors. And I think that, uh, you know, created a bond that, you know, we carry through to this day. So. Yeah. So cool. And I'm going to definitely circle right back to the farm life and all of that. But if you could take me, I know you said you're 50 now, take me back uh, to the beginning of your fatherhood journey about how old were you when you first became a dad and how did that experience change your perspective on life? Well, you know, it's funny because I have a lot of friends when they were getting married, they're like, oh, marriage. Oh, it's going to flip your life upside down. And I completely disagree. Getting married doesn't change your life. When you have your first child, that changes your life drastically. So, you know, I can remember, um, you know, when Stephen was born, my oldest, and, uh, you know, going through that experience, you know, obviously watching him be born and having a son, you know, I can remember at that time thinking, 
I didn't want to have any other children. I was like, I could, I, I, I truly felt I could not love anybody more than I love him. I'm like, I, I don't want to have another kid because it wouldn't be fair, you know? And uh, I, I mean, it just, everything in life, you know, switches, uh, does a 180 from about yourself to about what can I give to my kid and their future? You know, what can I do? And then obviously we had our, our second son, Jesse. And after he was born, you know, you realize real quickly, you know, you have all that same, that, you know, just undying love. And, you know, you see your son sitting there, this, this human being that you created, you and your wife. And it, it's just, uh, it, it, it just, everything changes and it becomes everything in life about, you know, how you can make a better, a better opportunities, a better life for them and be an example for them. So. Yeah, well said, Steve. And it's almost, I don't want to say a secret, but it's like almost like the best kept secret parenting. It's like you're kind of told, like I hear from so many young men that have these warped ideas of what it's going to be like to get married, start a family, have kids, and they look at it as a nightmare and something they want to avoid. Just I think because of the way our society is pushing everybody uh, kind of away from that. And really, you know, you really find out that your life truly only begins when you become a parent. It's, it just opens up these doors of your own life that you never knew even existed. So uh, I talk about on this show all the time, the fatherless crisis, where we have so many kids growing up without a dad or without a father in their life. And it's really, uh, I think, the number one social issue really crushing our country right now because we've gotten away uh, from that family and from promoting family and just uh, allowing people to really embrace becoming a father. And I think uh, so many of our young, especially young men, in this country are failing miserably because of it. You know, I, I couldn't agree more with you, Alec. And I'll tell you, it's kind of funny. I had read oh, years and years ago that at some some uh, uh, sanctuary in Africa that they had started, they, they, they transported and moved in a lot of young male elephants and young female elephants. And then, you know, a few years went by and they started like 50 dead rhinos. And all the, the scientists and everybody, they couldn't figure out what was going on. And it, it's basic life 101. What they figured out is with a, without adult male elephants in those young male elephants' lives, and, the, and when they say adolescent, that's like 12 to 20. But, I mean, from, from newborn to, to teenage years for, for a child, I mean, the father, you know, my wife and I used to laugh all the time because, you know, she's the normal mama bear. I mean, she's always hugging them, telling them she loves them, and, you know, you know, a kid has an uncanny uh, perception and reality of what what fair is. You know, I was raised old school. My dad said, boy, don't do that. And if I did it, I was going to get his belt. So, you know, I tested that like every kid a couple of times. And then I figured out he wasn't kidding. So if he says don't jump on the couch and you jump on the couch, I was going to get lit up. Well, everyone's like, oh, you spanked your kids. I didn't have to spank my kids. I mean, when they got older, I mean, they, you know, they they were so well respected and, and they were so kind. And I we, we just got, you know, all the time, compliment after compliment from everybody at the school district. You have the most well-behaved boys. You know, they're so respectful. Well, I, when they were two and three, when they were two and three and four, they, they learned them lessons. And it didn't take, you know, I, if I spanked one of my boys, I said, don't do that, boy. If I tell you, you know, you do it again, you're going to get spanked. And they would do it. I would spank them and they would go off crying. And their mama would try to pick them up. And, oh, you should have listened to your daddy. They didn't even want her. They wanted me because a child knows that, you know, they understand, you know, you can't beat them, you know, spank them without love. You got to have love and discipline in equal. It's got to be right. They know that you love them and you have to discipline them. With, you know, and I'm, I believe in that. I think so much of that's gone. 
today in our society where you know we're going to put you in time out i mean you know and i love my sister to death but she went off to you know big university here university of missouri she's there getting her mba she has kids she tries this I don't want to necessarily say liberal, but whatever you want to call it, way of raising her child. And she has two boys and a daughter. And we're at Applebee's, the kid's nine years old, and throwing a tinter tantrum on the floor. I mean, I, I, I can't deal with that. I mean, and my boys would never act like that. And, you know, they know the difference, what was fair and unfair if you spank them. And I, I believe that wholeheartedly. I mean, if you read the scripture, I mean, when it says don't spare the rod, it drives the foolishness from a child. And I'm not trying to preach to everybody. They can, everybody can do what they want, but I'm just saying the facts are the facts. And I know how I raised four boys and four boys that I had the superintendent of the school district calling my wife and I and saying in all his years, he's never had better leaders and more, more, you know, you know, kids that were doted on by the faculty than my boys. And which is a super compliment. I mean, yeah, that's a proud father, you know, telling that story, but it's the truth. I mean, our boys were, you know, they were good kids. They hold the door open to this day for every person, young, old. I mean, they say, thank you. Yes, sir. I mean, they're good kids and they're young men now, but they're good kids to me. Yes, Steve, I think I think we're seeing it. I mean, all over the country, really. I mean, we've seen the spike in, in so many things like the poverty, the crime rates, the drug use. Uh, we see all of these things and uh, we could blame uh, politics, policy. But really, I think it comes down to parenting. I think that's really it starts in the home. All of this stuff always begins in the home. So we try to we try to solve all these issues without actually attacking the source of where the problem is coming from. And it's so many of the broken homes in this family and so much. And just like you said, uh, I've interviewed a lot of different uh, celebrities, highly successful people on the podcast. When I asked them about disciplining their kids, almost all of them, nine out of ten will say, Oh, uh, you know, I, I was spanked as a child. I was, uh, you know, I had the switch or the belt or the, you know, the spanking, but I don't do that to my kids. And I think it's just number one, afraid to admit that they do spank their kids. Because if you do that today, it's almost as if like you're some kind of, um, you know, uh, you're, you're beating your children. And, and there's a big difference between beating a child and, and spanking a child. But it's just the way it's viewed today uh, prevents people from either doing it or even admitting that they do it. And I think that there's definitely a, a breakdown in that in our society. I think that's at the core of everything that we're seeing. Uh, but, but I wanted to get back to you being on the farm. What a, what a different lifestyle that is for me. I, I'm a city guy. I, I never lived more than, you know, a, a block from a bodega where I could go and I could get everything I need is right there. I've never had to go and hunt or fish or grow my own food. And I, it's funny, I think, in our society, how so many people have this assumption that, you know, who can't go more than five minutes without looking at TikTok are going to be able to survive if the country uh, goes into this nuclear war and we're all forced to, you know, they think they're going to eat food out of a can for five years and be able to survive. Uh, I, I think it's a lot more unrealistic. What is the life like on the farm? And as far as the technology with your kids, has technology gotten into that farmland? And what's it like raising the boys on the farm? You know, technology is definitely here. I mean, they've, they've ran fiber everywhere that, I mean, every kid has a cell phone, but I'll tell you like my, uh, my boys, they spend a ton of time outdoors. And when I say that they, they work, I mean, work ethic means everything to me. My dad would outwork three men and I raised my boys the exact same way. I mean, you want to see the character of a man, look at his work ethic. And, and, and again, that starts by an example. And, and leading in the home. But being here on the farm and ranch, um, you know, even after 
you know, getting up early, a long, hard day, you know, hard day of work. I mean, you know, meeting for dinner, um, going out to the pond, you know, catching some crappie or, or saying, hey, let's go catch, uh, you know, we can catch crappie every cast at a lot of our ponds. Let's go get a mess of crappie. And in 30 minutes, we're eating those crappie. I mean, from, from pond to table in 30 minutes. And, you know, there's a lot of, uh, we live up here in North Missouri. We have a, so we have all the, uh, we have all the Amish over here in Jamesport, like 10 minutes down the road. We have the Mennonites just South. We have the Heterites up on. So we have a lot of old school and these people, they don't have power. They don't have phones in their house. They don't have TVs. They raise, I mean, you, it's amazing. I don't think a lot of people really comprehend or understand what a, a little quarter acre garden can grow like i mean of course we farm on a large scale and we don't raise all our i don't you know there's you know we can buy that you know over at the amish all day long 10 minutes down the road but raising your own food i mean i think it's in every every human being's dna it's in our genetics everybody want you know even if they're on wall street wearing a suit and tie every day or grinding it out and they everybody has a, a fantasy or a, a calling to to come back to their roots and they they would love to to grow corn to to farm to drive that john deere tractor that combine to go check the cattle to to save a calf, to pull a calf out of a, a, a fir, you know, a heifer on a, on, you know, first calf heifer, you know, all that stuff. I think it, it, it's the, it's part of the backbone of our society that, uh, that frankly, so many people are given a black eye to, and you know, they don't realize where food comes from. There's such unrealistic. They think, you know, not, uh, this plant base it's going to replace this or replace that, and. It's just so unrealistic of what is it, what happens and where food comes from, and what it takes to get it, and how really efficient and good you know how how good of job we really do. Uh, all farmers and ranchers don't get the credit they deserve for the hours they put in. You know, I've had uh, everyone's like you know trying to add up hours they work and they want to take it across their salary. I'm like, don't do that because I'm gonna tell you right now, if you don't have a love for being a farmer or rancher, I mean, then don't do it because it's, it's, it's certainly not to get rich. I mean, it's a, a lot of times it's a break even. Everybody's like, oh, I see all these John Deere tractors or I see this truck you're driving. And, you know, th this perception that, oh, you guys have to be making a lot of money. And, you know, you know, there's times that, you know, you know, two out of every 10 years, crop prices go way up. You have a big run. But that just makes up for the eight years of losses. I mean, it's a... It, it's a long, slow, grind it out. You got to have a passion. You got to have zeal for farming and ranching or don't get into it. If it's because there's a lot of, a lot of things you can do in life out there and you've got to love what you're doing. And I think you instill that, which so many farmers nowadays don't have a succession plan. That's, that's the one thing I've been beyond blessed. I have four boys and they all have some interests, like, and I say some, they're all actively involved. Some are, are will never leave the farm and ranch. Uh, some do other things. I mean, but love the farm and ranch, love, love the animals, love, I mean, to see, to see you actually grow something that you're going to eat, you know, when we're putting our beef on the table and, you know, it goes like, you know, they'll, you know, farm to table, but literally when, when we, we, when that was from birth the whole ecosystem of life and we did it from the whole way through it's a very rewarding um you know it's not i'd say it's just priceless so at the end of the day there's no value you could put on all that hard work you sleep good at night when you work that hard 
Yeah, incredible. And I'm definitely one of those guys, Steve, that's, uh, you know, naive to the whole thing of where our food comes from and really appreciating it. Uh, as I said, I'm used to just going downstairs and getting what I need, get me my eggs, my milk, my meat, whatever I need is usually always at my fingertips. We're very spoiled uh, in this country in that way. There's no doubt. I had a chance to go out to, uh, I'm friends with Matt Roloff, who does the Little People Big World show, and he's uh, got a pumpkin farm. I was able to spend some time out there with him, and it's amazing to see just the amount of work that actually goes into to it. And I think, you know, there's a reason why the saying is I almost bought the farm. I mean, there's a lot of people that got bamboozled in this farm industry thinking, like you said, oh, I'm going to get the farm and be rich. But I want to ask you, because right now there's a lot of um, a, a lot of suspicious things have been happening with our food supply here, uh, especially we're seeing the price of the eggs go up. The, the, we're seeing all these chicken farm things burning down. We've seen so many different catastrophes. I know there's an issue with the soil as well. I had Saudi Guru on the podcast here. Uh, he's a guy that has a big save the soil campaign going on what is the state of farming right now in the united states and what is there a threat to our food supply in the country here well you know obviously this is opinion based uh we, you know we see a lot of that um you know it, it you know it's kind of like the old saying you know you control the food you control the people and uh, you know i i I, I'm one of those. I have a saying, be active in my own rescue. I never want to depend on anybody else. And I tell the boys that all the time. But, you know, you, there, there's a, so many things, where, you know, I think where people don't realize our, how at the epicenter our food industry is of so many different political agendas and moves. And, you know, not, not to, there's a lot of very big money people buying up a lot of farm ground and, you know, and it's no secret Bill Gates. So, you know, he's out here, he's hired two people away from MetLife. No one leaves a MetLife job. They're a big agri-finance company, the MetLife, the insurance, you know, so they, they've, he's hired people that I've, that wouldn't, that's the job of a lifetime. You never leave that job. And he's, they're buying. So some of these big boys are buying all this farm ground up and you know of course they they understand at the end of the day when they control the food they control the people it's kind of like social media you're seeing all this stuff and i, I don't want to get off course here uh where we're talking about fatherhood but you know all the social media there's all this stuff about twitter as you well know and then elon comes in and says actually about every single conspiracy theory you thought wasn't only correct it was worse than what you thought so i would just say um, you know, the soils, I mean, the, the soils, the carbon stuff that, you know, the government does need to regulate. Like there's a lot of farmers that were old school. They would always work the dirt, work the dirt, work the dirt. Well, that removes all the carbon from the soil. So this, this big carbon footprint, the carbon push that you're seeing now, that's like always having cover crops, something green. It does maintain the soil. I'm a huge believer from wind, sun, water erosion. It's a, it, it's a ginormous deal. So if I could say anything, it's that always having, it's kind of funny. You know, we, we, men always, we always want to do everything better and fix things. Well, mother nature, God, however, whatever your belief, they had it right a long time ago and they knew how to recirculate the system. So it would replenish itself and always keep the soil healthy and keep it going. And then men comes in, we're going to, we're going to find a better way. We're going to outdo what God put together and we're going to make it better. And we, what we find out uh, always over time, of course, and the damage is done is that we jacked a lot of stuff up. So now we're in, in the fixing it mode and it can be fixed, but, um, the, there's going to have to be subsidies that, you know, 
that, in, that entice a lot because farmers run such slim margins, they're going to have to be enticed to plant cover crops every year. I mean, that's a $40, $50 an acre you know, deal to plant cover crops in time and labor. So they're going to have to go you know, pay for that for that to be done. Well, I'll say this. I mean, I'm grateful for people like you and your family that are out there doing what you do. And I know, like I said, I take so much of it for granted. My family and I, you know, we were able to live the lifestyles that we do and we have the blessings we do because of guys like you and your family that are out there putting in the work and making it possible. So props to you guys for that. Getting it back into fatherhood. I know your show was featured on the Joe Millionaire uh, that kind of was a big deal in your family. I would imagine. What was the genesis of that? What was your take on the whole show? How were you guys approached with that? And what was your take on, on the whole process? Well, the first question I asked Steven, it was my oldest son on there. The first thing I said, do they expect you to marry one of these girls? And he's like, no, dad, no, they, they, you know, and he's like, absolutely not. And I'm like, I'm not saying, I'm not opposed to saying that, you know, one of the producers say, Hey, we have 20 young ladies. We vetted them thoroughly. And, you know, which, you know, hindsight's 2020, I guess their job of vetting and my job of vetting, I would be two different, uh, you know, 180 degrees apart, but nonetheless, they, they had those, uh, young ladies. They were, we met a lot of great young ladies on that show. We're still friends with a lot of them today. They come to the farm and ranch. They love it. Um, you know, Steven obviously is still single. And, uh, so, but a lot of learning experience from that. And, uh, so we, you know, it was, it was fun. It was interesting. And we've kind of segued off of that now. And, you know, I don't know what all you've talked about, but with a, uh, you know, with, with her, but we, we are getting ready to do like a Yellowstone reality show. We've been, we've had a production company up here last fall. Um, we actually had three different production companies up here. We, we ended up selecting one, Jeff Jenkins Productions out of LA. They have some affiliations with Taylor Sheridan and 101 Productions. Long story short, um, there's a bidding war. It's kind of overwhelming right now because there's like four different networks, Netflix, uh, Discovery, um, NBC Universal. And, it, you know, it looks like, you know, well, and I'll say it looks like we're going to be heading toward NBC Universal. They're, all their executives are flying in next week to, for dinner and meet the cat, meet us. But they want to do a 10-year reality show on our life and the ranch the farm the drama the four boys i know i know they're going to instill some drama that's one thing i learned about joe millionaire oh it's an unscripted reality show no they create drama so some of it you know is is for viewership and and keep people you know watching but a lot of it is real life they're going to see the day-to-day -day workings on the ranch and the you know the struggles the the stress everything that goes in but that show actually should be you know, we'll go on. We'll air, they're going to start filming here at the end of April. Ten, they'll do a, a ten week, so it'll have a, a ten episode season this fall. And they're talking about doing, I guess, ten episodes twice a year. So it's going to be pretty intense. Um, that'll be that'll be a big deal, big you know, life changing deal of having them here all the time in your face. So that we'll see how that goes. Wow, yeah, congratulations on that. And I I I would just say I, I understand that they do create the drama like I said. I've been friend I'm friends with Matt Roloff. I've had him on the podcast a bunch of times and one thing I will say is they do have a tendency to kind of create a villain uh, when they do this and uh Matt became that villain character and even though uh, a lot of the stuff is, is to create that drama. Uh, a, a lot of it is 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 off the truth. So it's it's, it's very a tricky situation. I've had a lot of different reality show stars on here, and I, I think uh, 
I, I think it's good. I, I, I don't know uh, necessarily. Uh, I know the Yellowstone has become very popular, so I can see exactly why they would want uh, you and your family out there, especially because you've been, you know, so positive, so productive, so successful. Uh, and I've had all, a lot of the Bachelor guys on the podcast, too. And I know that process. I mean, boy, uh, that that is a difficult one to go through for so many of them. But some found the successful and they're still married, had children with the woman that they met on those shows. So that there is uh, something to it, I guess. I still haven't really figured it all out when it comes to the reality show. Are all your sons, are they all on board with uh, being on the camera, doing the reality type stuff? Yeah, my youngest is definitely more reserved and uh, Braden. And so he's a little nervous about it, but you know, he's, he's rolling with it. Um, you know, he's, he, I would definitely say he's more camera shy and, and, uh, but no, they're all going to be on it. And, uh, um, the other three, they're, they're definitely the older three, Steve and Jesse Cole, they're all good to go. Um, you know, it's, it's just kind of, we're, we're getting, you know, just, you know, the, the uh, production company in LA, I mean, it's kind of crazy because every day they're like, this is unheard of. This is like a myth that, you know, the Kardashians didn't get this much, like, the, you know, all multiple networks bidding on it, a straight to series. Like, I guess normally they do casting calls, auditions. They add people to even reality shows. And when they do a straight to series, they're basically taking the cast that's there. But I do have a, 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 a Russian gal lady that works for me as a operations manager. She's super you know, business, business, business. And, uh, so I think I, we've kind of decided they, you know, they're going to make her the villain, you know? So we kind of laughed about that because, you know, she's always talking about these weak Americans and all their emotions, you know, even on the guy. So I think she'll probably end up her name as Galena and, uh, you know, she's, she's pretty hardcore. Um, and, uh, you know, she doesn't fit in at the ranch and I think they love that, you know, she's going to come and her, I don't even know Chanel or Prada. I don't know what those brands are. I, mean, I get my stuff at the boot barn, right? Or Schaefer <laughs> Outfitters or whatever. So she's going to wear all her, she has all her purses and whatever, you know, shoes that she wears. I'm like, you know, she brings a pair of what would I would call them muck boots, like mud boots. We call them muck boots. And they're like, you know, 50 bucks, 100 bucks, whatever. They're, mu they're for when you're working the cattle and the wet and the mud and crap. And she brings a pair in and I guess they were, I don't even know, like $2,200. And they're just black rubber boots, but they have two C's turned backwards on them. I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. Those <laughs> boots are. And so they love that. You know, they're going to, you know, obviously with everything going on in the world, I'm sure, you know, it's always like, you know, even all the way back to Rocky, you know, rush you know bad versus good you know it's going to be here's this russian gal at the ranch that don't fit in so i'm sure she's going to be the villain <laughs> wow it, it sounds great i'm looking forward to seeing that again i, I think it'll be uh, i think it'll be a successful show i think there's definitely a, a, an audience for it out there that's ready uh so again props to you on that uh what what else uh what other kind of projects are you working on as far as the farm goes right now are you guys expanding the farm are you guys got any deals going on within the farm itself what, what's up next for you guys at the McBee farms so we're always expanding, you know, obviously with four boys, I, I always wanted to, you know, I'm like, man, I've got to divide this up four ways. You know, I, I, I'm one of them fathers that even if one of the boys didn't want anything to do with the farm, which I'm blessed that they do, they get, the, I mean, everything's split equal. And, uh, you know, so, but we're, you know, we're, we're always trying to acquire, add ground, the, the right kind of ground. We've definitely tightened the reins on the type of soil. I mean, you know, you can, it's kind of funny because, you know, this, you know, soil uh, is one of those things that you can do a lot of things to the soil, but if it's an old clay knob on a hilltop, 
I, you can add all the fertilizer. You, I mean, it's only going to grow so much yield. So you really want to evaluate the soil and what kind of soil it is. So we're very selective on what kind of soil that, we, you know, when we purchase ground or add to our portfolio. So, yeah, so, you know, we're getting ready for planting season. That's always a big push. I mean, we bring in, we do have some H2A workers come in from South Africa, kind of Dutch descent guys, but, you know, it's hard, obviously, you know, the labor force is very hard to find enough help on a large farm and ranch. So we bring in some guys, you know, we'll bring in six or eight guys this year on H2A work visas. They've been with us the last couple of years. Great guys um, really know our systems. Um, so uh, that helps. We run everything through our John Deere ops. We have our own John Deere ops room with all the screens. We track the planters, the sprayers, the combines. We know how many idle hours. You know, if someone called and said, hey, you know, you, you sprayed some chemical, uh, uh, you know, and killed my shrubs, and we're on the east side of the road across from whatever farm, we could go back. Oh, that was June 10th. The wind was blowing 7 to 12 miles an hour out of the east. We're on the east side of the road. We could not have had any care, you know, so we're very, uh, and that was more through my oldest two sons, Stephen and Jesse, really implemented. Dad was old school. Now they implemented that technology side. And so we're always kind of on the bleeding edge of that technology on the ag, in the ag space. And uh, so it keeps us on our toes. Yeah, so cool. And, and I know you mentioned there, too, during our conversation about the work ethic with your kids. And I know that's something that uh, we're seeing sort of like a lack of that in our society right now, too, because you see places are hiring like uh, McDonald's and, 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 and Quick Marts and stuff. And they're offering like $18 an hour and they can't find nobody uh, to fill these positions. And it seems like there's I don't know if it's a lack of work ethic, work ethic or just uh, people aren't. I, I don't I don't get it. Like, it seems like these jobs are staying available and they can't keep nobody employed. So. Uh, it's definitely something that I work on with, with my three boys right now. Uh, eventually, my daughter is building that work ethic because the last thing you want to do is have a load uh, sitting around the house that, uh, you know, depending on everybody else to feed them and, and do all these things. So I think that I, I think it would be hard uh, to be lazy on a farm. And I think you would last very long. because It seems like it's not a place where you could just send it in or mail it in every day. Right. Now, you know, everything in farming is timing and there's no there's no re, there's second chance. And we talk about that. If I could summarize everything, especially on the crop production side, um, you know, to one word, it's timing. I mean, there's a season to plant and time to spray and a time to harvest. And if you miss that window, there's no second window. So, I mean, you know, you have to get it done. So a lot of people don't realize, you know, when you're feeding the cattle, I mean, seven days a week. I mean, when you have livestock, it's seven days a week. You don't, there's never, you know, a day that you could say, you know, I'm tired, I'm sick or, you know, if someone has to check on the livestock, you know, in the winter is to make sure the water's not frozen every day. I mean, is there one stuck in the mud? I mean, there, I, I kind of kid around, but it, it, you know, cattle are suicide jockeys. If there's a way that the craziest things they could find to get hurt. So, I mean, you've got to watch them like a two-year-old. I would liken them to a two-year-old. You have to, you know, you, you can't take your eyes off of them for very long. You watch them day and night. And that's, you know, that's the way cattle are too. You, someone's got to be checking twice a day. Well, I'm fascinated by all of it. Again, props to you and your family for what you're doing out there. Last thing I want to hit you with here, Steve, I'd love to ask all the dads that I get on the podcast, what type of advice do you have for that new dad or for that about-to-be father who's out there listening? Oh, I guess I would say, um, you know, take time to enjoy the ride. But, you know, I, what I started off with, you know, you're not you're not doing 
your child, boy or girl, a favor by not having discipline in their life. I mean, kids need that to to have a balanced life, to be a to be a good human when they get older, to have that, you know, that you could summarize it back to everything, all the problems in America or any country where there's lack of parenting in the home. Period. That's the end of story. That you know, everybody circles, you know, because there's so many different, you know, smoke and mirrors. The problem with society today is parenting in the home. It, when you fix that problem, you them kids are good kids. Everybody I know, all the kids that I would say, that's a good boy, that's a good girl, that's a good ch- good kid. They had good parents. Even if those parents are divorced, they are active in their life. Both parents participate and they, they, you know, I know we want our kids to always have more than we have. And that's where people go astray. I mean, you can spoil your child if you're keeping that discipline and responsibility in their life. I mean, I will guarantee my kids will raise their kids like I raised them. So they had to have that example. Without that example, they're just... I mean, they might as well be them wild elephants over there going crazy. So, I mean, that's that's really what it's about. I mean, keeping that in both parents participating. Yeah, very well said, Steve. I love the message. Uh, it's been an honor for me. I got to say, uh, Steve McBee, you're a first class father all the way. And thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of your time here on First Class Father. Like, thanks for having me on. You have been listening to First Class Fatherhood. Please visit www.firstclassfatherhood.com to find out more details. You can order First Class Fatherhood Advice and Wisdom from High Profile Dads on Amazon.com or wherever books are sold. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Proverbs 22.6 tells us, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will never depart from it. God bless, and I'll catch you next time.